Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are going to talk about some uncommon financial strategies for retirement, or maybe even if you're not in retirement. Joining me today is Derek Mazzarella. He's a certified financial planner. Welcome to the show, Derek. Oh, thanks for having me, Heather. Before we get into the uncommon things that people may or may not have heard, let's just talk about a few mistakes that people could make that are fairly common as they're approaching retirement age? Sure. I think, unfortunately, we, we do often make a, a number of mistakes when it comes to retirement because, you know, we, we focus so much on having some number and then we say, okay, well, once I have that number, I'll be fine. So some of the mistakes that I see folks make are, uh, the big one, in my opinion, is, is taxes. So most people are taught to save money into a pre-tax retirement, whether it's an IRA or a 401k plan. Uh, and then when they get to retirement, they have most of their money in this one tax bucket. And then when they start taking distributions in retirement, all of a sudden everything's taxed. And depending on what happens in their life, like let's say you need a car in retirement and now you need to take out another twenty dollars or $30,000. You may be jumping up another tax bracket. You're paying more in taxes. So a lot of things like that. They don't people necessarily think about it in terms of long-term projection of taxes. Okay. I want to give an example of this. So first off, you said people just have this number in mind. So let's say I'm like, I need $1 million mm-hmm. when by the time I retire. As I start drawing from my retirement, is my tax burden based on the $1 million that I have in my retirement fund? So the government goes, oh, she makes a million dollars. We're going to tax her on that? Or is it only taxed on the amount that I draw out? You're only taxed on the amount that you would draw. So if you have a million dollars and you take out 50,000, you're taxed on 50,000 that year. So that 50,000 acts as your income. So if I make $50,000 right now working full time, then what the government takes out of taxes at 50,000 will be the same as if when I take out 50,000 during retirement. Yeah, minus the FICA tax payment, but yeah, so for Social Security, you're not going to get taxed on that. Yes. Okay. Now I want to ask the second part of this question. So if I do make $50,000 a year right now, and I'm getting taxed on that, but I get into retirement and I take out $100,000, is that what you're talking about? Like people aren't thinking about that they're going to be taxed or what is it that that mistake on taxes that people make? Yeah, it, it, most people just, um, when they do tax planning, will look last year. So all they want to do is think about what deductions can I have? How can I eliminate my taxes now? So a lot of people are taught to just put money in their pre-tax IRA or pre-tax 401k. And what happens in retirement is we don't, you know, we think we need 50000 a year, for example, to kind of go along with this line, right? But expenses in retirement are never linear. So it's not like we need 50000 this year and then fifty two next year and then fifty five the year after that. Uh, we may have one year where we need to pull out 30 and one year where someone needs to pull out 60 or 70. So you want to think about uh, when it comes to tax planning, there are essentially three tax buckets that money falls into. There's the pre-tax bucket, which it's not taxed now, but will be taxed later when you pull money out. So a traditional IRA, 403B, traditional 401k. There's an after-tax bucket. So you, you pay money on taxes now. It grows. You pay taxes on any dividends or anything received like that. Uh, and then when you take money out in retirement, you pay taxes on any of the gains. Then there's the Roth bucket where you pay taxes today, but not later. 
So having a combination of three is a much better way to, to look at it and say, okay, I can pull money for different buckets. Okay. So like for myself, I actually have been hedging my bets, but I only have it in two tax brackets. I have a portion of my retirement in a standard IRA, and then I have another portion in a Roth IRA. And my work actually provides a Roth 401k. So I did the same thing. I split those. But I don't have the one where I get taxed for gains that's going to be the least efficient one. So you really want to have the other two first. The major benefit of having that after-tax account, which is typically just any kind of investment account, or even think like a CD that you may have, your bank account actually falls in this category. So you may actually have it not think about it, especially if you're earning your 0.2% interest or whatever the, the banks are giving you today. 0.002. Yeah, yeah, right. A little better now, but uh, some of them are still really... Uh, you know, slow with, with that one. But, but basically having those three buckets just gives you a lot more ability to say, okay, well, if I need an extra 20,000 and I'm coming up against a tax bracket, does it make sense to take from the Roth this year? Or do I take it from the after tax? So you can kind of mix and match based on that. And the other, the other trap I see people not thinking about is um, your Medicare premiums are related to your income. So you may actually think, okay, I'm not bumping up a tax bracket, but there's a Medicare bracket. There's actually six of them. So depending on where you are, even just going up two Medicare brackets doubles your Medicare premium. Ooh. So that's definitely something you want to make sure you're paying attention to because a lot of people don't know or don't think about, oh, I may be getting, let's say, a municipal bond income, which is tax-free. That counts towards your, your Medicare premium you know, projections. So you really want to make sure you're paying attention to where you are in the brackets and all that stuff. So um, like and, an individual's $97,000 a year of income. So that's important to consider before you retire so that you understand how much more you may need than that. You know, I've got this million dollars in mind. I may need more than that, especially with inflation. But then in retirement, you also may want to check with a certified financial planner just to make sure you're pulling from the right account. Yeah, definitely talk to a certified financial planner. I would definitely talk to a, an accountant or a CPA because they're the ones that are typically going to help manage it. And the best ones are the ones that talk together. Uh, I'll often talk with my clients and their CPA to make sure whatever we're doing is kind of rolling in the same direction and we're, we're thinking about taxes now and also later. Okay. It's slightly early, but I want to take a break because now that we kind of have an understanding of the things we need to think about as we are approaching retirement and in retirement and talking to a, an advisor, I want to talk about some advice that might be uncommon that we may not have even thought about as we move closer to retirement. So we'll be right back with Derek Mazzarella. He's a certified financial planner. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show. If it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. Today, I'm talking with certified financial planner, Derek Mazzarella. You have stated, Derek, that there are some pieces of advice that are a little bit uncommon, maybe we haven't heard of before, from other certified financial planners. One thing I would say is some kind of common strategies are... You know, especially when it comes to investing your money, a lot of people are thinking, okay, as I get close to retirement, what do I need to do with my investments? And most people think, okay, I just need to de-risk my investments as I get closer and closer to retirement. Because as I get older, I should be more concerned with my, my investments. Actually, a lot of studies have found that that's actually not the best way to go about it. Because I don't know if you've ever heard of the retirement red zone at all, Heather, but uh, basically the most dangerous years for your investment account and your retirement portfolio 
are the five years before you retire and the five years after you retire. Okay. So I'll use last year as, as an example. So let's say it's 2021, pandemic's kind of behind us, stock market's roaring. You said, look, I'm going to retire. Everything's going great. My account balance is over a million or whatever number that you thought was what it needed to be. And then 2022 comes, the stock market is down over 20%. The bond market is down about 10%. Most people that at 65 typically have a portfolio that's about 60% stock and about 40% bonds. So in that allocation did actually very poorly last year. It was down about 20 to 25% depending on how you're invested. So your million dollars is right off the bat, $750,000 or $800,000 if you're luckier, right? So now you're thinking, I just retired. I lost $200,000 right off the bat. Right. What do I do, right? So a lot of people can be in that spot and it's no fault of their own. You did all the right planning. You did everything you should do based on all the conventional wisdom that's been told. You built this account, you're in a more conservative portfolio uh, and your accounts are down. So that's a lot of challenges that I see uh, people running into because they can't exactly control the market that you're retiring into. So one of the things that I, I have been looking to recommend to clients is instead of doing 40% bonds, you're carving out you know 15 or 20% of that uh, bond mix with a what's called a, a non-correlated asset. So an asset that's not tied to the stock market. Wait, say uh, that again, a non-what? Correlated asset. Non-what? I know it's, don't want to get overly technical, but basically- it's it's like you know that guy that's dancing at a wedding to his own own music and everyone's dancing something <laughs> different it's like right. you want all oh, that crazy guy that's dancing at his own wedding and to be part of your portfolio because no matter what's going on over here with your stocks and bonds they're doing their own thing so if you layer some of that in it can really reduce that risk okay this interests me because recently my financial planner advised me to i've been very aggressive with my investments and he's like mm-hmm. eh you know, we got to start moving some of this into bonds because I think I have like 1% of my investments into bonds. I don't like bonds personally. I've never liked them. And so I have always kind of stayed away from them. And the only reason I have that 1% of bonds is because that's what my advisor said I should do. Okay. So you gave him a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, the problem is everyone thinks bonds are safe, which they are safer typically than stocks. The challenge is they do have risks. So if the interest rates go up, like we saw last year, the value of your bond goes down. Companies can go uh, under default. You know, we've seen with the government, they were downgraded recently by one of the rating agencies. So there's, there are definitely some risk factors when it comes to bonds. While it does help and they don't decline as much as a stock would, they still can be correlated. It does happen where they both go down at the same time. So some of the things we can look at integrating into your portfolio are those non-correlated assets. So some of them are simple things like hedges. So some companies or some mutual funds will have hedging options. So basically they're designed to do well when the market does poor. So it's not something you want to have a huge piece of your portfolio in. That's something you want to have maybe three to 5% of your portfolio in because generally it'll be a drag when everything is good. And generally things are good 75 or so percent of the time. The other things you can look at are insurance products. So a lot of, I know a lot of people kind of poo-poo them because you know, their fees and their can be complicated to understand. But the thing that I've noticed is that when you go into them with a plan and know how they work, they can provide a lot of excess value to your portfolio. And they, they interact in a way with your, the market that doesn't coincide with what the market's doing. Okay. Without getting into the weeds too much in these insurance products, can you just give us an idea of what an insurance product might be? Sure. I'll give you two, two, two broad ones. So typically something like a whole life insurance policy, they 
they give dividends every year. So they've given dividends when the stock market's up, when it's down. They're very consistent. They act very much like a bond portfolio. The downside is they can be expensive and it's a long-term strategy. You can't just jump into a whole life policy and just do it and then buy it next year, right? So the other thing is you can look at an, an, an annuity. So um, something like an income generating annuity or a fixed annuity, they have ones that also have uh, index ones. So they'll put you know, a floor and a ceiling on the returns. So you may say, hey, look, we'll get between zero and seven or 8% per year, depending on what the market does. So if the market goes up, we get a higher return than the bonds. If it goes down, we don't lose anything. So there's a couple of things you can layer those in and use that as a bond proxy to round out your portfolio. What are some other non-typical advice that people might get as they approach into retirement that maybe not everybody else is talking about? Yeah, I think one of the things that I would also bring up is everyone feels like they have to have your mortgage paid off when you get to retirement. I know that's a, usually a big burden for, for most people. And they think, oh, if I just don't have this mortgage and I'll, I'll be fine. But I've always been a much bigger fan of building up your assets first, having more liquidity and flexibility, and then using the assets to pay down the mortgage because the mortgage is going to be flat. Uh, inflation will drop the value of the mortgage over time. I feel like it's always better off having a pool of money available to you. Wait a minute. When you say having a pool of money available, if I'm still having to pay off my mortgage, how do I have a pool of money? Great question. A lot of people will aggressively pay down their mortgage. So let's say your mortgage payment is $1,500 a month. They may put $2,000 a month into the mortgage. So they're overpaying their mortgage. And this is pretty common with most people because they want to get rid of the debt as fast right. as possible. Instead of taking that $500 and putting it into the mortgage, you can put it into an investment account, especially with the interest rates you've had over the last 15 to 20 years, minus this year. I mean, 61% of Americans have a sub 4% mortgage rate. Right. Generally, the market does 7 or 8 even 9% per year. So if you put the money in there, that will build up faster than, you know, the quote unquote, the amount that you're earning in the mortgage. And then now you have this pool of available money that you can either use to pay off the mortgage or use to generate income off it, to pay the mortgage off or to, you know, go into any other type of investment like real estate, for example. Why can't we split the difference? Like if you had 500, not everybody has 500 extra, I get it. But if you are lucky enough to do that, why not do 250 toward your mortgage and 250 toward bonds? I mean, I guess the difference is with, with you're paying it down, a lot of it comes down to the interest rate. So if you have a three, three and a half percent interest rate and you can earn seven, I guess my question to you, Heather, is why would you pay money? Why would you earn three and a half when you can earn seven? So if you split the difference, what would be the benefit of, of doing that over earning more and having greater liquidity? Because you're really going to shave off maybe three to four years of five years, maybe of, of mortgage payments. Let's say, because you'll take it, you'll maybe I'll pay off seven, but if you have this pool of money, you may be able to pay off eight earlier because you're earning twice as much into it. Okay. I see what so, you're saying. So if, if I put the entire amount that I have been paying to my mortgage into stocks or you know, whatever my retirement mm -hmm. is, that's going to grow faster at a higher interest rate. And then I can use that later to pay off my mortgage. Yeah. If you wanted to, you can either just pay it off all at once. So there's going to be a, a Delta point where you've got enough in the account. Say, okay, I've, I have a hundred thousand left in my mortgage. Now I've got a hundred thousand dollars in the investment account. You just pay it right off. Or you just spend it down over time and then use that to pay the mortgage off. Okay. I mean, most people don't itemize now, but uh, when the tax cuts and job tax expires in two years, people may be itemizing again. And you do have the uh, ability to write off the mortgage interest rate with that. So that there is a slight benefit to that as well. Right. 
Yeah, these are things that hopefully everybody else is thinking about because in my mind, I was like, if I can get rid of most of my mortgage before I hit retirement, then all of that money I was paying to my mortgage can go to healthcare. I won't necessarily be putting it into a 401k, but at least I have that discretionary money that I used to have for my mortgage that I feel would be more beneficial to me in retirement. Yeah, because you, you are eliminating an entire expense in retirement. And the, the lower your expenses are in retirement, the more successful your plan is typically going to be. So that does make sense. The only thing I would maybe kind of throw at you is that with putting that in that bucket of money, whether it's an investment account or something else, you can do both, right? So you can pay down the mortgage with it or you have flexibility. So the challenge is when you dump money in the house or pay off the mortgage earlier, the only way to get it back out is to, to take a loan. Right. So that it does makes... give you a little bit more flexibility to, to, to kind of do both if you wanted to. That does make sense. I'm not saying people shouldn't do that. I just have to kind of rethink things. Again, this is the advice I have been given. I don't know if I will change it at this point in my life, but it gives me food for thought and I can go, huh, maybe with the 10 or so years I have left before retirement. This is also very just... situationally dependent, Heather. So yeah. I want everyone to just go ahead and start opening these accounts and not paying right. down the mortgage. So no, 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 definitely... no. Yeah. <laughs> Just because we've been taught something our entire lives doesn't mean we can't rethink it. It doesn't mean you'll go ahead and do it, but just mm -hmm. think about it and look at your situation and find out what works best for them. Right. Yeah. I think you want to say, okay, what are the pros and cons of this? What, how does this fit in with my situation? You know, cause if you only have five years left, pay the mortgage off. Like you're not going to, to me, the, the returns of the stock market are going to be too varied to do that strategy. But if right. you have 20 years left, you know, I can, I can pretty much tell you the stock market is going to outperform a 4% mortgage if you keep it in there for 20 years. Right, exactly. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll find out if there's any other tips we need to know about. And we'll be right back with Derek Mazzarella. He is a financial advisor. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about uncommon financial strategies. And my guest is Derek Mazzarella. He is a certified financial planner. So Derek, we've had a pretty healthy discussion, I think, in that last yep. segment. Um, but what are some quick tips that you could give people, even if they're 20, 30 years out? Like, what are just some tips that you would say, uh, you really need to start thinking about this? Yeah, I feel like some of the basic ones are, unfortunately, people are woefully far behind on saving for retirement. So I think people really underestimate how much retirement actually costs because you have to live for 25, 30 years without any salary or income. We have about, on average, a third of what we should have saved for retirement. So automate that. So if you're have a 401k, you know, push that up. One thing I would say is with your 401k plan, they allow for automatic rebalancing. So if you did have a portfolio that's 6% stock and 40% bonds, rebalancing would bring that back to a 60-40 if, let's say, stocks outperform bonds. A small thing that most people don't think about, it kind of goes back to our, our Medicare conversation. You know, we talked about that income bracket. One of the things that people don't look at is it's based on your last two years of income. And one of the things that the Social Security allows for is um, if you usually when you stop working, your income goes from, you know, whatever to a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. You can actually file on the IRS uh, website, basically a document that says I had a life change. So whether you have a disability or a death in the family or you change jobs uh, and you can show that, hey, look, my income is going from somewhere up here to somewhere a little lower. Um, you can actually, you know, put yourself in a lower income bracket for Medicare. So that's one thing I would suggest that most people look at is make sure that 
um, your income you're looking at, especially if there's a drastic change, uh, reflects that in your Medicare premium because otherwise you have to pay a higher rate for two years. That's never a good thing. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's an easy fix. So it's a, it's a two-page form. It's pretty easy. What else should we be thinking about as we approach retirement? Yeah, I think the, the bigger thing that most people underestimate is, is the impact of health care in retirement. So not only your Medicare premiums, thinking about the right coverage to have, uh, but there's actually a 70% chance that we're going to need some form of long-term care in retirement. Mm-hmm. So making sure you have a plan to deal with that, whether that's you paying out of pocket, whether that's you putting assets in a trust account to go on Medicaid, uh, or it's using some kind of long-term care insurance and passing it off to an insurance carrier. Yeah, I'm kind of dealing with that with my parents right now. They are looking at uh, some type of assisted living, and they're in Seattle, and they're looking anywhere between six and $10,000 a month. Right. We're it's not talking per year. Expense. It's huge. And that's if they don't have some devastating illness on top of what they're already dealing with. So I can just imagine if you are still 10, 20 years from retirement and then 10 years past that, when you think like your disability or your issues may start happening, how much is the cost going to be 20, 30 years from now? It's going to be pretty, pretty aggressive. You know, especially with those, uh, those have an inflation rate of about 5%. So, you know, think of how high inflation has been this past year. That's what's going to be for healthcare moving forward. So it's definitely something you want to have a plan for. Um, you know, you're going to be usually in kind of two, two brackets. Either you have not a lot of assets and that's where you probably need to think about maybe hiding stuff, putting things in trusts, gifting things away so you can go on the Medicare track or you have a lot where you think about, okay, what's the best way to protect my assets moving forward? So I don't give everything to, you know, Medicaid or have to pay fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a month for, for long-term care. So that, those are some of the things that would definitely have, get you to start thinking about earlier before you retire versus, okay, now it's three weeks out and I need to get find a facility. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now you talk a lot about this in your new book. What is the title of your book? So the book is called Just Retire Already, an Unconventional Retirement Guide. I go through basically, uh, there's seven main retirement risks in retirement, discuss all of them. So I hear you uh, for the first half of the book. And then the last half of the book, I talk <laughs> about all the tools we have available to actually solve these problems. But I do it with analogies and jokes to make it more lighthearted and fun because you know, retirement should be fun. Okay. So just retire already. <laughs> yep. Just do it. <laughs> I like that. If people want one-on-one or to talk to somebody, I know you're in Connecticut. Are you able to help people nationwide? Or are you only practicing in Connecticut? No, I, I'm able to help people nationwide. I do a lot of Zoom meetings now, a days anyway, so uh, I can help anyone in any state. I've got people all over the country that I work with. And where should people go to find you or to request your help? Sure. Actually, just retire already. You can look at for the book if you want. And there's also a page that you can view and see if you want to engage in my services or just check me out a little bit further. Well, that is easy. Thank you so much, Derek Mazzarella. You have helped us a bit to maybe just change our thinking. Just some some little seeds for thought. How is my retirement going here? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Let's maybe shift the narrative a little bit and see what makes sense for us. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks, sir. It's a pleasure being here, Heather. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. 
Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.